Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. This episode of HR Oxygen is brought to you by Boss Builders University. If you're looking to train up your supervisors and managers, please check out our newest offering, The Art of Being a Great Boss. In this 13-month program, I'll be taking your managers through our driving results curriculum, which includes topics on communication, performance management, motivation, delegation, problem-solving, decision-making, team development, and much more. These sessions are virtual, running one hour each month, and I'll do it using our popular sketch and seminar graphic art and storytelling format. No boring PowerPoint, stale stories, or outdated tools and techniques. The sessions are engaging and provide tactical, practical tools that can be used immediately after the sessions. You can either have your entire organization take the program, or if you have just a few folks, join one of our open enrollment cohorts that we start every other month. For more information, visit us online at thebossbuilders.com. Now, as an HR professional, you have lots and lots of challenges. But if you happen to be an HR professional who is also the parent of young children, you're probably sleep deprived. And if you're sleep deprived, there's no way you're going to be able to bring your A game to work. Well, if you have young children and the struggle is getting them to sleep, I have the perfect guest for you. Kristen Deaton was on the show about a year and a half ago. We've agreed to have her back on because things have changed, not so much in the world of sleep, but in the world that we all live in. And so in this episode, Kristen's going to talk to us about ways that we can set good sleep schedules up as well as good nap schedules to get in order before we all start making a return back to the office. And also as we get near summertime, if we're going to start taking vacations, how do we maintain the sleep patterns that we're after? She's an expert in this. She has people from all over the country that use her for resources. So we were fortunate to have her join us today. So enjoy this chat. It was great. Kristen came to the studio. We got to see each other face to face. I do sound a little bit muffled because I had my extra thick mask on, uh, which sort of makes you feel like you're talking into a paper bag, but I think it turned out okay. Regardless, her voice is the one you want to hear anyway. She turned out great. So let's quit talking about her. Let's talk to her. Go ahead and buckle up your seatbelt because it's time for us to take off. Should the cabin lose pressure, oxygen masks will drop from the overhead area. Please place the mask over your own mouth and nose before assisting others. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast, the show focused on the overworked, overwhelmed, and underappreciated HR professional. And now, here is the host of our show, the boss builder, Mac Monroe. Kristen Deaton, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's really great. We're now live. We were live together the first time, but that was over a year and a half ago, I think, wasn't it? Yes, just about. Yeah. So in between last time and this, there's been some changes. There's been a pandemic, in case you haven't heard. <laughs> and, not to mention, you are actually pregnant with your second child. I am. That we is are. really exciting. Yes, we are nine weeks out. Um, and it is flying by. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. So how is your son handling soon to be a big brother? You know, for the most part, he is just really excited about it. And he'll talk about his brother. He actually calls it his baby. He'll say, when my baby gets here, I'm going to X, Y, or Z. Or really? when my baby gets here, I'm, I'm going to hold him. Mm -hmm. Or I'm going to teach him how to fish or how to camp. Or <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Does he talk about, uh, you know, mommy, am I still going to be like uh, 
most important or does he talk about having to share now or a little bit um yeah so that is definitely new territory for us mm -hmm. um definitely not an expert on it but i can kind of share with you kind of how we're approaching that that would be great yeah um so our biggest thing with our son is is we just talk about it mm -hmm. um and kind of set clear expectations like i want him to understand when the baby gets here he's going to eat a lot and sleep a lot and poop a lot mm -hmm. and cry a lot <laughs> <laughs> so that he doesn't just think that he's going to have this little person that he can run around and play with yeah um and you know i talk about what a great helper he is and ways that he can help with the baby and things he can look forward to uh, such as playing and teaching him things like i was sharing a minute ago mm -hmm. Um, and also, I communicate a lot just with my husband, mm -hmm. so we have realistic expectations for each other and with our son, um, because there's no way around it right at first. Sleep deprivation is just going to be part of it, and so I think for me and him, a really big thing is setting boundaries, like maybe we split the night. Mm -hmm. One of us is up half the night with the baby, mm -hmm. the other's up the other half, and then that gives us both a good four to five hours of sleep and one of us is ready to rock and roll with our oldest in the morning because mm -hmm. um, I want to make sure we're as fair to him mm -hmm. as we can be yeah. <laughs> through this transition. That'll be tough. Now how old is your oldest son? He is, he'll be five in August so we're a little over four and a half. Okay so then he probably will start school then in the fall right? He will. Okay. He will start school in August. So it's going to be a lot of a lot of transition in our house, yeah, a lot I of change, so. kind of all at once. Yeah, I guess so. So is he going to go to where Van Leer Elementary? Yes. Is he okay? Yeah, good. That's where we're zoned. So. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. So this is really great to have almost a neighbor uh, right here. You know, most of our guests from all from all over the country. I've had a few international, so. Okay. It's great to be back and and to talk about this. So, when we had you on before, we talked a lot about sleep and specifically how to get your kids to sleep through the night. And you developed a really good process. We're gonna revisit that today. Okay. But there are some differences now. Now we've got other dynamics in this. So you are an example of one. You have a child who sleeps through the night, now you have another one on the way soon. I know that we have listeners who have been able to be at home through this past year and have their kids with them the whole time. And I'm sure that was easier to monitor naps and that now a lot of people are transitioning back to the workplace where there's a hybrid approach now. So sleep is important. And also we've got nap dynamics and all of those other things. So the person who's listening here today, I would say that might be the person who is a new parent or is gonna be a parent for the second or third time and are concerned how do I get my kids to sleep through the night? So we're gonna focus on that. Let's talk about naps. So how do we do naps? Tell us all about naps. What's the best <laughs> way to make this work? All about naps. <laughs> all right, let me just tell y'all. Um, naps can be very tricky and can be the bane of existence <laughs> in the sleep world, um, as well as for parents. Uh, they are just, that can be very frustrating at times. Um, and I think most of that frustration comes from the fact that they're so needed. Mm -hmm. The naps are so needed. Um, so I think it's important to first start out by talking about some basic nap etiquette and what that might would look like. Okay. Um, and then move into transitions and what that would look like. Okay. So 
first things first, we have to be realistic. Life is not ideal. It never is. It's never perfect. So you really kind of have to do the best you can, and, and that's what you can do. Okay. Um, so I think as much as possible, you want each sleep scenario to look the same. Say, so for instance, at night, if your child is sleeping in a crib in their own room, you want the naps to be in a crib in their own room, okay? Um, and, of course, that can change based on what child care looks like. And at that point, you just adjust. Mm -hmm. So sleep scenarios would be consistent at the daycare, whatever that would look like. Um, I know for my son, he was still in a crib by himself. Okay. And so at home, he was also in a crib by himself. Mm -hmm. um, and I think also it's important to follow an eat, play, sleep schedule mm -hmm. during the day. So like um, in between sleep, so morning sleep into first nap, the space between second nap or third nap, however many naps your child is taking, mm -hmm. during that block of time, it's important to follow an eat, play, sleep schedule. Okay. That way a baby's waking up and then they're gonna get their feed and then they're gonna play and then it's time to sleep again. Okay. It kind of breaks up that eat, feed, sleep association mm -hmm. um, and allows a child to really learn how to fall asleep. Okay. Um, and really the key with nap etiquette is to know your baby's awake window, um, which changes pretty frequently as a baby grows. Mm -hmm. um, and that is the key to all naps, is really, really understanding and knowing what your baby's awake window is. Okay. So what I mean by that is from the time your child wakes up until the time they need to sleep again. So if your child wakes up at seven o'clock in the morning and your child is only six weeks old, they're probably ready to be laid back down again by seven o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. Because that awake window is only 45 minutes to an hour. Wow, when does that shift to longer? I mean, I had kids a long time ago, so I don't really remember. Right, um, so I'm gonna go through this, and let me just say, first off, for the listeners, all the information that I'm gonna share on this topic is on my Instagram page and posts and in highlights. Okay. So it can easily be accessed again um, to kind of look it up and, oh, what, what was that again? I, I didn't have something to write with. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so birth to six weeks, that awake window is 45 minutes to an hour. And a baby's generally taking four to six naps a day. Six weeks to three months, it goes up to one hour to an hour and a half at three to five naps a day. Three to six months, an hour and a half to two and a half hours at about three naps a day. Six to nine months, two to three hours, two to three naps a day. Nine to 12 months, three hours, two naps a day. 12 to 18 months, three to four hours awake, one to two naps a day. In 18 months to three years, you're looking at four to five hours awake in one nap a day. Okay. And when do naps stop happening? That is actually different for each child. Okay. Um, generally, sometime between the ages of three and five. And when it comes to nap transitions, I don't really like to focus on age as much as behavior. What mm -hmm. is the child doing? because most of the time, children are gonna tell you when they're ready to make a transition. You just have to know what to look for. Okay, yeah, I guess, so, so at what point do adults say, boy, I wish I could take a nap? <laughs> I guess that's as soon as you have a child, right? Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or 
soon as one's in the womb because yeah, you're pretty tired I guess you would too. be. Yeah, it's amazing the thing you fought about now is the thing you wish you could do more of, huh? Right, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. So what else can you tell us about naps? Um, so after you follow your eat, play, sleep schedule and knowing your baby's awake window, um, it's also really important that you're able to read your baby's sleepy cues. Hmm. Um, the signs that babies give us to tell us that they're tired often mirror the same signs they give when they're hungry. Hmm. So it could look like um, rubbing eyes or arching their back, rubbing their face into an object or pushing off of you. Um, and so that's why it's important to know the awake window because you know if you've already fed your baby, well, it's time to sleep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so that would kind of be basic nap etiquette. Okay. And then um, when you're talking about transitions, when to transition from, say, three naps to two naps or two naps to one or one to none, mm-hmm. um, the most important thing to remember is that transitions don't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. They take time, and you want to study behavior, and once you decide to make the transition, you want to go for it and stick with your decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and one helpful tip is to offer a snack with some natural sugars in it when a nap would usually occur okay. to kind of extend the time mm-hmm. to the new time that you're trying to work for. Um, and bedtime can always be moved up to compensate for short naps during a transition period. So what is the, and I'm trying to remember when my kids were little, they're all adults now, but I used to remember we'd go on a long car ride and you're like, okay, this is going to screw up the naps because they would always fall asleep in the car. So how does, what if your nap schedule gets disrupted because you're going to go visit grandma and on the drive, it takes two hours, they sleep the whole way there. And as soon as you get there, they're bouncing off the walls and then on the way home, now you got to make sure they try to stay awake so they can get to bed. I mean, how do you manage all that? Or do you just let it happen? I don't remember. I just remember looking in the back seat thinking, oh my God, they're not going to sleep tonight and we got to go to work tomorrow. Right. I think really a lot of that is just case by case basis. Mm -hmm. And as parents, you know your children better than anybody else. Mm -hmm. So if that were to happen, maybe it looks like you extend bedtime an hour later than it normally would be. Okay. Or you wake your kids up and you don't let them sleep in the car. Okay. Yeah, that's what we used to try to do. Turn the music on and shake them and make them laugh and then they'd cry. And, you know, then when we get home, they were like, hey. And then we're like, no, it's bedtime now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I think when it comes to actual transitions, um, kind of the main transitions you look at are going from three naps a day to two naps a day. Uh, That would be the first big transition. And a common age for that would be six months. But like I said, you don't really want to base it on, oh, my baby's six months. It's time to make the transition because the baby may not be ready until seven months. Mm And so what that can look like is a lot of crying, 30 minutes or longer, taking short naps. Um, And at that point, if that behavior is kind of being consistent for a couple weeks, then you want to look into making that transition. And so the basic thing to do is just to delay that morning nap for 30 minutes every three days until you reach your desired time. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I guess you've got to really be intentional with this, right? Okay. So, Kristen, what about somebody who has been home this past year and a quarter, whatever it's been, 
maybe they had a child or their child was fairly young before they had to work from home. Now they're going to have to go back. Now we're back to daycare. What's that transition like from being a stay-at-home parent to suddenly now we got to do daycare? What's that going to look like and how should we prepare for that? You know, I actually worked with a few clients um, in that situation this year and I related to them. It can be really stressful and really overwhelming, especially if you've spent a lot of time at home working on the sleep and you've really gotten it to where it's in a good place. It is a little bit nerve-wracking to change that up and what's daytime going to look like and transitioning back home and all this work we've put in. Um, so my best advice for that is if you know you're going to be making that transition is to start early. Mm -hmm. um, look at multiple places, look at multiple options and get a lot of information because at the end of the day you want to feel really comfortable with where, where your child is at all day. Mm -hmm. um, I think communication is key. Talking to the daycare director or if it's a home daycare, um, whoever is in charge and you know, what do naps look like? Mm -hmm. What does the feeding schedule look like? What is your communication with me going to look like? Mm -hmm. um, I know with my, with my oldest, because we, we still use daycare with him. Um, I, I work full time in addition to doing sleep consulting. Mm -hmm. So um, with my oldest, it was great because every day when I picked him up, I knew how much he ate, I knew when he ate, I knew when they offered a nap, I knew if he slept, how long, what time he woke up. And so I had all this information coming home to me and so I could adjust what I needed to do to compensate for what he did during the day. Mm -hmm. So for instance, if he had, say, his last nap went a little bit longer than it generally would have at home, I could adjust his bedtime that night. Okay. So if his bedtime was at 7 p.m., which it was, mm -hmm. if he took a late nap that day, then his bedtime may be more like 7.30 that night. Mm -hmm. Good, good thing you don't have a train outside your baby's window when it's nap time. Huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, and again, back to those awake windows. That's another great reason to kind of know what those awake windows are. Mm -hmm. That way, if the schedule gets off at all during the day, you can adjust it once you get home. Okay. And keeping each sleep scenario the same. Mm -hmm. So even at daycare, he had the same sleep sack at daycare that I used at home. Mm -hmm. Or once he got older, he had the same blankie at home that he used at daycare. And so the scenario mm -hmm. was the same regardless of where he was. Okay. So I guess, so I'm going to ask you a personal question. Okay. You're going to be having your second son in about nine weeks, you said. Yes. How long before you will start taking your newborn to daycare? What is your plan? My plan is to take... A full 12 weeks okay. off um, which I am so thankful for this mm -hmm. time um, because in that 12 weeks we're gonna make that adjustment from being a family of three to four mm -hmm. having a newborn and then my son will also start kindergarten so mm -hmm. that that's a whole nother thing in and of itself um, so we will I will go back to work um, and start using a daycare with the baby at about 12 weeks okay Okay, yeah, so I guess that's probably, I think most employers tend to give six weeks mm -hmm. or something like that. 
So you'll be living this life where now you've got to transition to daycare. Have you got a daycare already picked out and everything? I do. Okay, good, yeah. good. So pretty much you're squared away. But for someone who's now thinking, oh my God, what am I going to do? Should we plan this earlier or just wing it? I, I think it's better to just be proactive and to plan. Um, and just think about what's right for you and your family because maybe a daycare isn't really what you want. Maybe mm -hmm. you'd rather have somebody come into your home mm -hmm. or take your child to an in-home daycare. Mm -hmm. You know, there's plenty of varieties of, you know, what's available. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are your thoughts on, I don't see it much here in Tennessee. When we lived up in the Washington, D.C. area, a lot of families would have an au pair come in. So in a perfect world, I guess in a perfect world, the parent could stay home with their baby the whole time. That's right. not the world we live in. In a secondary perfect world, you'd have somebody who basically lives in your house and follows your schedule. Third best case scenario is daycare. Right. So it's kind of at the bottom of the list of good options, but you say that with enough planning, we can make it very seamless, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Good to know. And I, and I did speak a lot on communication with daycare. Mm -hmm. um, not only the communication on what they can provide you as the mother or the father, but also communicating with them up front, like what are your expectations? Mm -hmm. Like being able to say, this is what my baby's currently doing. Mm -hmm. These are the goals that I'm working towards. Is this something you can accommodate? Mm -hmm. And just being really frank about it up front. And if it's not, well, all right, I started early, so I'm going to move on to my next option. Okay. Are you finding that it's hard to find daycare these days? I have found, <laughs> and even with my first, I have found that I just made sure that I was on a wait list mm -hmm. early. That way I had time to look around or make changes and be sure of my decision. Mm -hmm. Okay. I just remember when my kids were little, when we moved from Tennessee to Maryland, we couldn't find daycare anywhere. There was like this baby boom that was going on and it took us forever to find someone. And then it was expensive. I, I almost thought I'd just gotten out of the military and I thought, well, shoot, I don't want to be a stay at home dad, but it doesn't make any sense because my wife was still active duty and mm -hmm. she couldn't just take off. I mean, you got, six weeks and then she took an extra two but you know she's expected to get back to work so it was a challenge so i guess again goes back to sooner rather than later starting to identify these things right okay so next question is about where you are right now so now we have one child child's been the only child or maybe you have two now we're bringing a new baby in so you've kind of talked about what you're doing and preparing. Is that what you would recommend for somebody who's in this situation right now, maybe nine weeks out from D-Day and then we got to get busy? Or So you're, you're, you advocate preparing right now and having the conversations, right? I do. Um, and like I said, I haven't done this before. Mm -hmm. So right or wrong, we'll find out. Yeah. Um, I think it's important to just be realistic in general. Mm -hmm. um, regardless of how much you prepare, it, it's a transition, mm -hmm. it's an adjustment, it's a change. And there's gonna be moments that are probably not pretty. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's mm -hmm. just the fact of the matter. So I think it really comes down to um, offering grace to yourself as a parent, to your partner, and as well as to your child and your your baby or your two children and new baby or whatever that situation looks like. Mm -hmm. um, I will tell you one thing that I read and I can't think of where I read it right now, but um, 
it was talking about that adjustment with an older child and bringing a baby into the picture and I really liked it and it's something that I'm gonna I'm gonna use but it was saying how you know when your older child is needing attention mm -hmm. it may come out in different ways maybe it's acting out maybe it's now your oldest is kind of crying and acting like a baby or mm -hmm. maybe they're just out of line and it's a behavioral thing and I think at that point it's good just to call it out and be like I, I see this behavior. I see what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Do you need Do you need some attention? Mm -hmm. If you need some attention, why don't you just ask mom? Tell me what you need. Mm -hmm. You know, and then responding and saying, "Hey, you know, I would if maybe yeah, mom. I need. Can you play with me for a couple of minutes? Can you color with me? Can mm -hmm. you watch a show with me?" And just saying, "Sure, like." Son, can you give me, I need you to give me about 10 minutes. Be mm -hmm. patient with mommy for 10 minutes mm -hmm. and I'll be able to do that with you. Mm -hmm. um, and basically the article was saying, not always blaming something on the new baby. Mm -hmm. Like not saying, well, I can't, I have to feed the baby. Mm. Or I can't, I have to bathe the baby. Or I can't, I have to put the baby to sleep. Because um, it can cause a lot of resentment mm -hmm. between the oldest child and the new one coming in. Mm -hmm. Um, and within that same article, it was also saying when you bring the baby home from the hospital, having the baby in a carrier instead of in mommy and daddy's arms, it's a good way to kind of introduce the oldest to the new child. It's less threatening. Okay. Wow. I guess I never would have thought of that, but it does make sense because I'm sure they're paying attention. Right. Yeah. And so I think those are just some of the things that I'm going to incorporate into that transition. Yeah. And before baby comes, obviously, we're, we're talking about expectations of what it's going to look like, what the baby's going to be doing, how he can help. Mm -hmm. um, and we've actually started playing together in the baby's room a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not so much of a shock. Yeah. Well, Even though it, it will be, <laughs> you know. Well, it's a shock to everybody. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but I guess as a sibling, I was four when my little brother was born, and I still remember seeing him in his crib, but, you know, beyond that. And from that moment on, he was just a big pain in the ass. <laughs> All the way growing up, you know. We didn't really get close till much later in life, but yeah. it, was a, it was a hard transition, so we've yeah. got to be thinking about it. All right, well, speaking about transition, okay. let's go back to sleep, because that is your level of expertise. Yes. Um, so the transition from the crib to the big boy or big girl bed, mm -hmm. what would you recommend with that? What's that going to look like for us? My honest recommendation is to keep your child in a crib as long as you can. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think three years old um, is the perfect time to make a transition. Okay. As long as there's not a safety concern. Mm -hmm. You know, if there's a safety concern, then making the transition earlier would make sense. Um, but I think keeping a child in their bed, in their crib, as long as possible is the way to go about it. Um, and a lot of that just comes down to where a child is at developmentally by mm -hmm. the time they're three. Okay. There's a better understanding of boundaries and consequences and what mommy and daddy are saying. And if this is what you need to do, and if you don't do it, this is what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, so in order to keep a child in a crib, a few things I like to recommend, especially if you have a climber, mm -hmm. uh, which is pretty common. Mm -hmm. um, some things you can do is actually turn your the crib around so that the taller side of the crib is on the outside and the shorter side is up against the wall. Mm -hmm. And even dropping the mattress all the way down to the floor. Mm -hmm. 
that way um, it's not so easy to climb out. Mm -hmm. um, there is also a company um, that makes sleep sacks that specializes in toddlers from 18 months to five years old, um, which is really incredible. It's what called are they, a sleep sack? Sleep sack. Okay. Sleep sacks are um, wearable blankets, Okay. which is really important for safe sleep. Mm -hmm. uh, the um, American Academy of Pediatrics actually doesn't recommend a blanket in the crib with a baby until 12 months. Really? And so a sleep sack is a way to keep a baby warm in a blanket mm -hmm. without having a blanket. Okay, so is it like a little sleeping bag that zips up? Yep, so, okay. yep, and they make it in different levels based on the environment, the temperature of the room to keep the baby warm. Mm -hmm. um, so June and the Moon make toddler sleep sacks um, which focuses on 18 months to five years old. Okay. And the zipper for the sleep sack is actually in the back. Mm -hmm. So it makes it a lot harder for a toddler <laughs> to get out of it. Mm -hmm. um, so those are some good recommendations for keeping a child in that crib until they are three. And once they are ready to, parents are ready to make the transition into the big boy or big girl bed. Mm -hmm. um, I actually have a toddler package that specializes in step-by-step -step on how to how to do this. Oh, so okay, because I just figure you read the label. I guess they make those for adults, but they only use them in mental hospitals. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the sleep sack, turning the bed around, the climbers, that's a challenge. Yep. My son wasn't, but my daughter was, which mm -hmm. I would have figured the boys are the crazy ones, but she just was the second born. I think she was just ready to... <laughs> to get after it quicker, you know. All right, so let's go now and let's talk about, you have a question here about quiet hour, which that would be my favorite hour. Um, so tell, tell me what quiet hour is and how can that help us? Yeah, so when a child is ready to drop that last nap, um, so before toddlers drop their nap, they generally take one in the afternoon that's a good two to three hours long. Mm -hmm. um, and there comes a time where the child is ready to just stop doing that. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of times what you can look for in that scenario is the trouble comes at bedtime because they're not tired enough. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of protest and a lot of tantrums and it takes a long time to get the child to, to sleep for the night. Um, and generally that happens sometimes between the age of three and five, mm -hmm. different for everybody, and the child will let you know based on the behavior what they're ready for and when you see that you kind of have two options you could choose to keep the nap and move bedtime later in the evening mm -hmm. or you could say you know I, I, no let's establish a quiet hour and we'll keep bedtime the same okay. and really it's kind of the parents call and what they think is going to work the best for their family and their child um, but if a parent decides to go the quiet hour route um, there's a few tips I can give on how to make that transition there is something called a wake to sleep clock okay and what it does it, you can put timers on it and it changes color based on how you set it so I like to recommend a wake to sleep clock for quiet time mm -hmm. because it lets a child know hey when the clock is blue you're gonna be in your room mm -hmm. and when the clock turns green it's it, it, you're allowed to come out quiet time is over okay it's just a good way to set that boundary for a child mm -hmm. so they they know what's expected of them 
Um, and during that time, it's good to lay out what the child can do and incorporate some choice. Mm -hmm. um, why don't you pick a couple books or a puzzle or a coloring book, mm -hmm. some things that are quiet that you can do in your room alone. And it's also good to start with a shorter amount of time and then increase it because kind of expecting a child to stay in the room and be quiet for a whole hour right at first yeah. is can't even have an adult do right that. Yeah. like it's it's a lot um so i think it's good to start slow like maybe 20 minutes okay. and move up every few days until you get to an hour mm -hmm. um and a lot of times parents find maybe sometimes their child falls asleep and sometimes they don't mm -hmm. either way the child is still having time alone it's quiet it's a break for the parent um, and you can schedule bedtime based on the quiet hour. If there was no sleep, you could keep bedtime as normal or move it up even if you needed. If the child does fall, fall asleep, I wouldn't let them sleep more than an hour and okay. then move bedtime back a little bit. Okay. So the quiet hour is the replacement for the nap. The quiet hour is not the preparation for the nap. Right. right? Okay. So that's, all right, that makes sense. And I guess that works pretty well even for adults, right? Right before bedtime, we... Put the phone away. Do you ever find you get questions from adults on yes, sleep management too? All the time. Yeah. And you know what is so interesting? The things that we do for children so much correlate for adults as well. Mm -hmm. We all have our circadian rhythms and our biological clocks and that melatonin, the body's natural hormone that makes us feel tired. Um, and we all have our journey into sleep and it looks a certain way for everybody. Mm -hmm. So even with adults in sleep, it still comes down to the same foundation of routine, consistency, and structure. Mm -hmm. It just looks different what those activities are. Yeah. So what are your recommendations for, I mean, would you ever recommend naps for adults? I, I am a believer in naps for adults mm -hmm. when they're possible. Okay. What's the rules on adult naps? I don't know that there's any rules. I'm not certified in adults, right. although that is a thing. Um, there are sleep consultants that have adult certifications. Mm -hmm. I know for myself, if I fall asleep during the day, generally it doesn't affect my nighttime sleep. Mm -hmm. Well, you're a mom. You're, <laughs> you'll never recover from your sleep. Right. That's what brings on the gray hair, I think. Right. That's at least what my wife says, yeah. Right. Okay. I will say that um, screen time can definitely affect anybody's sleep. Children, babies, adults. Mm -hmm. um, it, it messes with the melatonin. So I think if you're having a hard time sleeping, mm -hmm. one thing to look at is where is the screen time? Mm -hmm. Is it, an, it should probably be at least an hour away from when you're trying to go to sleep. Yeah. All right, so there may be a few people listening who are gonna be fortunate enough to go away on a vacation this summer. There's uh, we hear about revenge travel, so people have been cooped up forever and you know, they may have saved a vacation budget. I mean, we kind of did that where our vacations were all canceled. So now we're gonna go out and we are gonna go on vacation with a vengeance. But <laughs> we have, well, we don't, but you might have children. How are we gonna handle the nap when now we're gonna go, let's say, where a lot of parents go, they go to Disney, right? We go to mm -hmm. Florida and we have this great big blowout. You will naturally be exhausted after walking around a hot sun. I don't know if you guys have been there. It's, uh, it, it is definitely a tough experience, right. as I remember right. But So what are the suggestions for somebody who's going to be doing a vacation now with a young child who you're now trying to get in the sleep routine? Now it's going to be messed up for a week at Disney. 
I, there's a few thoughts there. Um, once again, I just go back, and I, I've said it a million times to families, but life is not ideal. It is just real, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you have you have to adjust and be flexible. And for a baby or a child that you have worked a lot on their sleep and you have sleep quote-unquote trained, mm-hmm. which is not my favorite term, mm-hmm. you know, sleep training is done for a child, not to a child. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is important once a child has the skills and knows how to sleep and is, is a parent is not currently walking through sleep challenges, I would normally recommend to clients and families that I've worked with to follow their sleep plan on an 80-20 ratio. So 80% of the time, you want to follow it 100% and then make some wiggle room in there on that 20% for things that, you know, you just you can't help it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are times on a vacation where you're going to be in that 20%. But generally, I still suggest the same ratio. You mm-hmm. want to honor the sleep schedule, follow it 80% of the time, and make adjustments where you need to. Mm-hmm. So as a family, maybe plan out the things that you for sure want to do that are really important and let those be your exceptions to the rule. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's an activity or I don't know where people are going on vacation, but the nap is not going to be able to happen like it usually would. Mm-hmm. Okay, so at that point, maybe the nap is on the go. It's mm-hmm. in a stroller. Mm-hmm. It's in the car. Maybe you offer a pacifier and you don't generally offer a pacifier. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just kind of do what you need to do to let the, let the baby sleep. Okay. I think another good topic to talk about with traveling is room sharing mm. because a lot of the times families are in hotel rooms together or condos together mm-hmm. um, and so the room situations just look really different. Um, I think it's super important to make the baby's sleep environment as much identical to it is at home mm-hmm. as it is when you're away. Okay. So. Same kind of thing, if your baby uses a white noise machine or a certain nightlight or they have a certain lovey, stuffed animal, blankie, sleep sack, all of those things are with the child on the vacation while they sleep. So mm-hmm. that environment is still very much the same. Okay. I always suggest a bedtime routine with families and that bedtime routine to also consistently happen on vacation. Um, to kind of let that same cueing system into the brain of, hey, like this is what we do at home. Sleep is approaching. It's time for me to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. There is a really awesome product that I promote and fully believe in. It's called Slumber Pod. Okay. Um, and it's perfect for room sharing if your baby is four months and older. Mm. But what it does, it's, it's a blackout and it's breathable fabric that fits over top of a pack and play play yard or a toddler air mattress um there's ventilation there's places in it where you can put a video monitor where you can see what your child is doing mm-hmm. there's a fan if your child is a really hot sleeper um but it's a way to separate a child's sleep environment from yours if you are sharing a room so you don't have to feel guilty about reading your kindle and having a glass of wine with your lamp on while your child is trying to fall asleep Wow, so is this, it fits over the top of a crib? Is it like a heavy blanket with little no, places for the cords or what is it? It is not a tent, okay? Uh-huh. But that is the best way for me to describe it without being able to show a picture. Okay. And it's it's meant for indoor use only where mm-hmm. temperature can be regulated. Okay. 
Um, and that company is called SlumberPod. Okay. And I actually have a discount code. It's called Sleep Solutions TN. Okay. And if anyone wants to look at it and use that code, they will get $20 off of their purchase. Okay. Wow. I didn't realize they made that. I mean, I've yeah. seen little things you can put over yourself when you go to sit at a soccer game when your kids get a little older, but this is for sleep. Yeah. It's a game changer. Wow. So, sure. so it's slumber pod, you said? Slumber pod. Okay. And what was the discount code again? Sleep Solutions TN. Okay. Which is actually my username for Instagram. All right. Perfect. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. we want to talk about how to reach you here in just a little bit. Right. All right, so this is something that you would really recommend. Absolutely. Okay, good. All right, so slumber pod. Yes. Okay, good. All right, so last question I have for you is for parents. Now, for the most part, having young children is stressful enough. In my 57 years, I've never seen a pandemic. I've never seen a country shut down, reopen, shut down, reopen. I know from my regular audience of HR professionals, Already they were overstressed and often underappreciated. Now we've got this new dynamic. There's still a dynamic over safety. There's a dynamic over mask wearing. There's a dynamic over social distance. There's all of this happening and, and people are still having babies now. So how do we, as a parent, because I did this a long time ago, back in, you know, about the time that people discovered fire, right? <laughs> How do we handle this today? What are your recommendations in a stressful world where we're having babies? How do we, how do we manage all this? I think anxiety is such a real thing for so many people. Mm -hmm. um, and it's something that you hear about a lot more often than you used to. And I think it's really important that if it's something that you're struggling with as a mom or a dad or together. First off that you, you just speak it, you admit it and you just say, Hey, I'm really struggling with this. Don't keep it to yourself. Mm -hmm. um, there are so many avenues to reach out and get some help and strategies on how to manage. And I just encourage families and parents and moms to reach out for the help that they need and be an advocate with their own voice and, what what do you need mm -hmm. and don't be afraid to ask for it I think in society it's so easy to just feel like if I ask for help I'm not a strong woman mm -hmm. or if I ask for help I'm not an independent woman or I'm not a good enough mom because I need help and I just think it's such a lie I think we need each other I think we need to support each other mm -hmm. and as parents we have to get the help we need we have to set boundaries mm -hmm and take care of our own mental health and our own mental space so that we can take care of our family. In your professional opinion, is there such a thing as a perfect mom? I don't like that question. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, tell, I'll, I'll tell you why. Uh -huh. Perfect is such, to me is such a stressful word. Mm -hmm. Nothing is perfect ever. Mm -hmm. And I think when we have this expectation of perfection, we're always let down and we're always disappointed and we're always hard on ourselves mm -hmm. and kind of have this inner critic that speaks really loud at that point. Mm -hmm. I think as moms, we just have to be realistic and it's hard. Mm -hmm. It's so hard to be a mom. And now with social media everywhere mm -hmm. and people voicing opinions everywhere about every topic imaginable, mm -hmm. it's hard to not deal with mom shaming mm -hmm. or different philosophies coming at each other and contradicting and what's right and what's real and what's true and am I doing the right thing? Am I not doing the right thing? Mm -hmm. 
So I don't think perfect exists anywhere. Okay. But I think good moms exist everywhere. Good. I think that's where I wanted to go because, I mean, I think about it. You, you look at social media and everybody's happier than you. Everybody's right. kids are better behaved. And I can just tell you in the world, the professional world, I see it too. Oh, I'm speaking at this event. Most people are full of shit. Yeah. And so I guess I, my encouragement would be just don't look at it. Right. Because it's irrelevant. Right. Right. It's irrelevant that somebody's better than you. So there is no such thing as a perfect mom. But everybody has the ability to be a good mom. Absolutely. Good. Yeah. All right. So in the spirit of being a good mom, <laughs> all you good moms listening and good dads, how do we reach out to you, the sleep expert, <laughs> to help us with this important transition? I mean, yeah. this is real. You are about to live it again. Yeah. So you, you know, you practice what you preach. Yes. Yeah. So yes. how can our audience reach out? We already know we can use the sleep pod is that what it's called slumber again? pod slumber pod and the the code for that is sleep solutions tn yes that's the discount code yes most important how do we reach you okay that same code so the sleep solutions tn is also my username for instagram mm -hmm. and facebook so i can be reached um both of those avenues that way i also have a website mm -hmm. Okay. And, and when you visit that website, there is a button that just says book a free 15-minute consultation. Mm -hmm. And so that would be the easiest way to get in touch. And during that 15 minutes, really, I just get to know a parent and their situation and what they're walking through. Mm -hmm. And if they want to hear about my services at that time, I'll share it with them. Mm -hmm. And if we feel like it's a good match and we want to move forward, we make that decision together. Okay, so you have different packages available, right? I do. Um, I work with babies and families um, from birth, so newborn all the way up to five years old. Okay, great. All right. So if you're listening today, Sleep Solutions TN is the place to go. You got a discount code there. I have seen the reviews. You post those. People are absolutely enamored with you and just rave reviews. So you're the real deal. And yes. if you're listening today, <laughs> I would encourage you, please engage with her. It's good stuff. And it's just, I think it's super important. Sleep is one of those things that Unfortunately, as we get older, it's more and more necessary, but no one seems to get enough of it. So right. this is the time to start good habits right now. Absolutely. Kristen, thank you so much for making the drive. This is so awesome to actually have a guest in the room. This is such a privilege. I appreciate you taking the time to meet with us today. Yes, thank you for having me. This has been a complete joy, um, and I love sitting down and talking with you about sleep. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast. We hope you found something today that will relieve your stress, feed your soul, and pump you up to face another day. At Boss Builders, we want to let you know that we appreciate the hard work you do every day as an HR professional. And as a reminder, always make sure to adjust your own oxygen mask before attempting to help those around you. Be well. <laughs>